0: the opinions and statements expressed Hey Ken Crocher here and welcome to episode 3 of the Pennsylvania Project As you know here at the Pennsylvania Project our vision is a better Pennsylvania To achieve that vision our mission is to showcase the political, cultural and environmental challenges facing Pennsylvania and most importantly, to explore their solutions. But even more important than solving that problem correctly is to solve the correct problem. It's what we do. We have a real exciting show planned for you today. And like all episodes of The Pennsylvania Project, it's divided into three parts. Part one is you, part two is them, part three is me. Part one is all about you, your questions, your opinions, your solutions, your whatevers. And rather than a call-in format, we have an email-in format. You can contact us at pennsylvaniaproject.com and we'll let you know in advance when, when we'll be responding to you so you can tune in, listen in to the answer. That's because you are a part of every episode, an integral part. And we have a whole bunch of things, topics for the you part today because this is now episode three, so the queue is starting to back up. So we're going to be talking about uh, logic, reactions to episode one. We're going to be talking about Glen Orinoco, one of my favorite places in Pennsylvania. Beautiful place. And a whole lot more than that. After that, we go into part two. And that's the the them part. And we have a very interesting guest this time. Because our them part is to help showcase the political, cultural, and environmental issues facing Pennsylvania. This one is going to span two of those, cultural and political. Our guest is Melanie Goodman-Dante. She's a sex trafficking survivor and identifies as an active, consensual adult worker, educator, and ally. She's also a spokeslady for the Sex Workers Outreach Project, SWOP for short, SWAP, and also for SWAP Behind Bars, a prison advocacy group. And she's here to talk about the challenges that are facing the sex industry in Pennsylvania today. As I said, this is going to be a goodie. After Melanie comes part three. Of the Pennsylvania Project. That's when it's my turn, your caster, Ken Krawchuk. I'll be focusing on a particular issue that sticks in my craw. And today's issue brace yourself, the abortion debate. I figure it's a real good segue off of our guest topic. So that's our show today. There are three parts. So let's get right into part one with the mailbag. And remember, our mission here is not just to complain or sound off, but to
1: explore solutions. So what do we got, Paul? All right, Ken. Our first message is from Howard Bloom. Uh, Howard says, oh, yeah. If you want to fix the United States, you change the school curriculum to include logic, starting as early as possible. Children who learn logical thinking will shun the ideological ideas of the Democrats and not fall for most of the nonsense from the Republicans. Children who think logically will become adults who think logically. Good luck getting that by the millennials. <laughs> well...
0: There's a couple of issues with that question. I, I look at there's good parts and bad parts. First of all, we're not here to fix the United States. We're here to explore solutions for Pennsylvania. So the United States only enters into it in, uh, what, 1 over 150th? So any solution we have may be translatable. Uh, but that said, I agree. Logic should definitely be taught but then it comes down to a question of how do we do that? The United States obviously doesn't do it. it. Has a Department of Education that doesn't educate anybody, and I know with my local township they don't take up a whole lot of the of the federal funding. And I wouldn't want the federal government to be mandating any kind of education. All that should be done as locally as possible, preferably all the way down to the level of the parents. That's what I like to see. But that's but he's right. Logic is definitely going to do it because the. It, What's he call them? Where's the illogical ideas of the Democrats and the nonsense from the Republicans? I, I never try to be negative on other people. I just try and look at things positively. I like to quote Charles de Gaulle. He said, at the age of 21, if you're not a liberal, you have no heart. But at the age of 40, if you're not a conservative, you have no head. But I would just say, if, if you're not a libertarian throughout your whole life— you're not, being, you're not respecting the rights and property of those around you because that's the definition of libertarianism. But that's the way to get it past the millennials. See, I wouldn't call the millennials nonsense or even the young people because what they're doing, they care. They want to see things happen. They, they love the idea of universal health care to take care of people. They love all those ideas, all from the same general idea. And you can't fault them for that because their heart is in the right place. But what we really need to do is give them a better outlet than government. Because as I mentioned on, I guess it was episode one, when we had Siddharth in here, that you can help 10 times as many people if you don't use government spending, if you keep that money locally. So that's how you'd reach the millennials, to show that they can be 10 times more powerful than they are. And the Republicans, of course, we could just come at them from the – hit them in the wallet. Definitely make it better. And it is getting past the millennials, because when I ran for governor last year, Howard, most of the people who were supporting me were the young people. It was it was very very heartening. I have I have faith in the future of Pennsylvania and in the future of America. And it's good to hear from you again, Howard. It's probably been 10 years since the last time I heard from you.
1: All right, our next question comes from Andrew Hatstatt from Montgomery County. Uh, the PA Game Commission announced it is closing Glenonoco. Falls Trail this May because it is too dangerous. What can we do to keep this beautiful piece of nature open to the public?
0: Oh, man. Do you know why they're closing it? I've, I've been there. It's beautiful. It's up on the Lehigh River above Jim Thorpe, and you feel like you're in Switzerland when you're up there. I tell you, I love Pennsylvania. Just I think it outdoes all the other states, even Colorado, Washington State, all those Rocky Mountain states. But it's just beautiful because you can stand on the edge there, and there's the Lehigh River many, many feet below you. There's an old railroad tunnel that's still rough cut there. And you could you could come right up to the edge. And it's just beautiful. Now, I was not aware that they had shut it down. And of course they do it. Oh, it's for for the children, for the good of the children. They already have railings up there, but I, I bet it's the lawyers. It's gotta be the lawyers that do it. And that's where the, the basis of the problem is right now, because in one place after another, it's people are afraid of getting sued. It doesn't matter what it is. And you know, even with this broadcast. We're, we have a corporation who signed the contract. So if you decide you're going to try to sue me, you got to get through the corporation first. Again, that's a, to have that level of level of protection. So that's what they're doing, and you can't really fault them for it. I certainly can't because I'm I'm practicing something similar, but on a much different playing field. But how do you get them to stop? Obviously, we have self-government here. That means you got to do it yourself. I always like to stop there because that's what it takes. Go to their meetings. The Game Commission is very, very open. Matter of fact, one thing I like about the Game Commission is that they pay for themselves. They don't use tax dollars. So it's the license fees which keep them running. It's your license fees which are funding that opinion. Make your voice heard. Talk to other people that you know are going there. Start a telethon. Do something yourself. Get it rolling. It's easy enough to do. Maybe it would be successful, maybe not. But the whole idea is that You've got, to, you've got to do it. There are other places that have gotten away with it. I would look at some of the people who have made it work. And I'm thinking of Slide Rock State Park in Arizona. It's a gorge. It's a beautiful rock gorge. And it's all smooth rocks. It's all smoothed out from the water flowing through it. And they actually let people play in it. And people slide down one rock after the other. And I stopped and talked to one of the, one of the rangers there. I said, you get a lot of split heads here? He shakes his head. He says, all the time. how do you cover it? He says, we've got insurance that covers it. So there's the answer. So, Andrew, I would look into finding out how you get insurance for that. Take your idea to the Game Commission. As I said, they're very open, and they're a very libertarian organization. Sounds like the the best approach I would – at least that's the approach I would take. Do it myself.
1: All right. Uh, Nick Varasali from Delco. Why is the youth declining into liberal – I won't say the word, but it's not very pleasant, Ken. What's that? Oh, that's
0: a, it's a kitty cat. Well, this goes back to what I was saying in terms of Howard's question. They're looking to help people. And I, I have to admit, I was a Democrat for 20 years before I realized I should not be using your means for my ends. And I remember when Ted Kennedy came out with his plan for universal health care. I thought it was a great idea. I says, yeah, let's help people. But as it turns out, it's a bad idea. Bad idea. The first thing is we could show the economic impact as i mentioned in episode 1 you could help and a few minutes ago you could help 10 times as many people if you kept kept that money locally but another thing to do the main thing to do because they're not going to respond to cash yet i talk to older people and i talk about taxes and they nod their heads i look at you know high school seniors and i talk about taxes and they look at me blankly because they don't know if they're paying yet what you got to do is give them another outlet for what they're doing And this is something else that we talked about in episode one when Siddharth was here. And that is to separate society and state. Create that separate outlet where they can help people to their heart's content. They can do whatever they want, help them out. And just to to summarize it, the idea behind it is to create a new organization called Society. It would have its own constitution. So at the federal level, there would be a president, and a congress of society. State level, there would be a governor and state house of society. Local level, there would be a a mayor and a town council of society. And they would be the ones who'd be responsible for helping those in need, whoever it may be, so to stop these liberals from – it will give liberals another outlet in order to to help other people. Because the main reason society exists is to help other people. Those who can't help themselves, those who by misfortune or by bad planning are – Looking for help from society. But the big thing with society is that they, the main difference between them and government is they do not have the coercive power of taxation. That means any money they want to spend, they're going to have to raise voluntarily. So they would pass the budget, and the budget would not have the force of law. It would be a guideline. That's the word I like to use, just a guideline. And they say, all right. If we're going to be helping seniors with their drugs, we're going to be helping young people with their school expenses, if we're going to be helping these other middle people with their unemployment, we're expecting to need N dollars over the course of the next year. Now, since last year we had 10,000 people donate, that means it's going to come out to about $100 per person. So we're asking, please, do your part, donate $100, and our budget will be taken care of. And if you feel society isn't taking care of something you want to see done, like saving Glen Arnoco or something like that, you can lobby them. Say, hey, here's something that needs spending. We got to get insurance for this place that so we can open it back up. It's a beautiful spot. looks like Switzerland. So to take the giant step back, Nick, why is the youth declining into liberal niceness? Because they're looking for a solution. Government is not that solution. It's an uneconomical solution. It's a heavy-handed solution, and it steals money through taxation. What we need instead is society. Separate society and state, have a voluntary organization, and have that warmest of emotions, charity, done voluntarily.
1: All right. Our next one is is from Eric Lucas in Concha Hawken. Uh, Eric writes, your description of fake news in episode one. Oh, and, yeah. <laughs> and the example of Trump fires articles. Reminds me of Michael Crichton's description of what he called the Murray-Gell-Mann amnesia effect. This is the gist of it. Media carries with it a credibility that is totally undeserved. Correct. For example, you open the newspaper to an article on some subject you know well. You read the article and see the journalist has absolutely no <laughs> understanding of either the facts or the issues. Yep. Often the article is so wrong, it actually presents the story backward, reversing cause and effect. I call these the wet streets cause rain stories. Paper's full of them. You read with exasperation or amusement multiple errors in a story and then turn the page to national or international affairs and read as if the rest of the newspaper was somehow more accurate about Palestine than the baloney you just read. You turn the page and forget what you know. That is the Gelman amnesia effect. I'd point out it does not operate in other arenas of life. In ordinary life, if someone consistently exaggerates or lies to you, you soon discount everything they say. Mm-hmm. In court, there is the legal doctrine of falsus in uno, falsus in omnibus, which means untruthful in one part, untruthful in all. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to the media, we believe against evidence that it is probably worth our time to read other parts of the paper, when in fact, it almost certainly isn't. The only possible explanation for our behavior is amnesia.
0: <laughs> that was a nice long one. I forgot what the beginning was. No, no, I don't have that amnesia. Absolutely correct. And just to remind people what we were talking about, about the fake news, I was railing against the Washington Post because they had a headline that said, senior State Department staff resigns en masse when Trump gets elected. But no other newspaper was reporting that. All the others were reporting, Trump fires the senior State Department. Trump fires, Trump fires, Trump fires, over and over again. And it's something every president does. They get rid of all the old people, especially when it changes parties like that, going from Democrat to Republican. Obama did it, Bush did it, Bush did it, Clinton did it. He's absolutely right. But the Washington Post is a great example of the nonsense that's being put out there. I had never heard of this Gellman, is that what it Gelman was? Gellman amnesia. Gellman amnesia. But it's it's definitely true. But how do you fight that? Well, it goes back to self-government, right? We have our self-government here, and it's not only our country and our state and our city, but it's also yourself. You personally have to guard against that. And I personally, I always, I always do that because if somebody says, oh, a study says X. And I remember somebody in work came and said, oh, a study said global warming is real. NASA says it. And I went and I looked at the study. And right there in the abstract, it said, there wasn't enough factual data, so we used some subjective extrapolations. I go back to that. they made it up. They made it up. So you have to build up that same angle. And I'll quote something I heard from the late, great Irv Homer, who also was on WWDB in his early days, which is where we're broadcasting from now. Uh, What Irv said, somebody asked him at a fundraiser, where do you get real news, Irv? He says, I don't. And he pointed to his head. He says, this is where I get it. He says, if something sounds silly, it probably is. If something sounds true, double check it. He says, but the only person who can be responsible for understanding the news is yourself. Well, I'm getting the finger wave in the air. So that'll do it for the you portion of the show. Thank you very much for the questions. If you have a question, remember, visit our website at pennsylvaniaproject.com. And there's a cute little form there that you could fill out and looking forward. And I'll always let you know when we're going to be answering your questions. So you'll be able to tune in. We're going to take a break and we'll be right back after this information.
2: Did you hear the latest news? Almost two thirds of all federal spending now goes to pay for the welfare state. More than $2.2 trillion, which just about equals federal income. Do you realize what that means? Virtually all tax revenue is now being consumed by the welfare state. But how do we rein in that runaway spending before it destroys America? The answer? The separation of society and state. That's the premise of the new novel Atlas Snubbed, an unsanctioned parody sequel to Ayn Rand's Atlas Shrugged. Atlas Snubbed presents a workable alternative to the welfare state as we know it. Atlas Snubbed expertly extends Rand's epic story of a looter's world snubbed by the men of the mind, bringing to life a crumbling post-apocalyptic world where no one need ask who is John Galt, because now they know. Atlas Snubbed, available at all online bookstores or through atlassnubbed.com. Read it today before it's too late.
1: The following is a commercial announcement. Hey Paul, how's it going? Eh, could be better. Why? What's the matter? I just found a great job, but I can't take it. Well, why not? They want me to go as a 1099 contractor. So? What about all the taxes? Federal taxes, state taxes? I have better things to do than figuring out the tax laws and filling out all those forms. I'm a Libertarian, remember? (laughs) Then you need Amendment 16. Hey, it's the damn 16th Amendment that got me into this predicament in the first place. (laughs) No, no, no. Amendment 16, the invoicing service.
0: They'll invoice your client for the hours and expenses that you report to them. And when your client pays them, they pay you, minus all required taxes. It's that easy. One call does it all. And they'll even have an accountant do your personal taxes for you come April Fool's Day. I mean, April 15th, sorry. And they take care of all the taxes and all the forms? Yep. And they can pass along certain tax breaks, too. Sounds perfect. Where do I find them? On the web, of course, at Amendment16.com, with 16 spelled out. That's Amendment, S-I-X-T-E-E-N, dot com. One call does it all.
1: Back to you, Ken.
0: Thank you very much. Hey, Ken Krawchuk here with the Pennsylvania Project, and we're on Episode 3. My guest today is a goodie, Melanie Goodman-Dante. Let's see, uh, yes, that's true. Melanie, she's based in Metro Philadelphia. She's a published writer for over 15 years, contributing to research and discussion on the sex industry. She was homeless as a teen, and as a young adult, she worked as a migrant sex worker for over a decade. With She now has 30 years plus industry exposure, federally defined as a sex trafficking survivor, and she identifies as an active consensual adult worker Educator and ally, her advocacy regarding sex work versus sex trafficking issues over the last five years have been almost full-time and almost entirely volunteer. For example, Ms. Dante has testified on behalf of sex workers for the Alaska Senate Judiciary Committee, for the California Public Safety Committee, for the New Hampshire Public Safety Committee. She's contributed to Amnesty International and the PEPFAR reports. And she also consults privately on legal cases conflating sex work and sex trafficking. There's a whole lot I could talk about her. She recently launched a Pennsylvania Survivors Workshop Community Clearinghouse at sexualpolitics.blog, and politics ends with T-I-X-X-X. It's an advocacy clearinghouse for legal, legislative, and support-oriented discussions related to sex trafficking and sex work, focusing on action alerts, legislative updates, other critical materials aiding to the safety. And she's also co-organizer of the Philadelphia Vigil for December 17th. That's the International Day to End Violence Against Sex Workers. And there's so much more. She's also a spokesperson, as I mentioned, for Sex Workers Outreach Project, SWOP, and SWOP Behind Bars. And I could talk more about that. I'm not going to save that. But currently, she also works full-time as an in-home personal care attendant and caregiver for the Physically Disabled and Aging. And we're not involved in sex work or sex trafficking discussion. She enjoys nature, as do I. Fitness, cinema, literature, arts-related pastimes. And she enjoys as a public published poet, writer of commentary, and creator of nonfiction stories. She's got a very full life. Glad to be here. Melanie, Thank welcome you to the show. I'm sorry, we're out of time. <laughs> <laughs>
3: That was great i 'm really glad I got to stop by today I am
0: too yeah, there was some question you had other things going on, and then you had the short kill distress way between us and you. But you showed up right on time, and here we are.
3: It's a beautiful day to be out, and I'm glad to be here and on the air with you. Thank you.
0: I know. And what is it? It's in the mid 70s out there, low 80s? Low 80s. You, you got to love it. It's springtime where we are right now. Yeah.
3: If it wasn't such an important topic, I would be at the Wissahickon on the trail right now. Mm,
0: I love the Wissahickon. We canoe it all the time. Yeah. It's but one look, of my favorites. Uh huh. I've, I've been there since I was a kid. Good grief. Have you been to the Indian? The-
3: I just found the Indian for the first time uh-huh. last week. Yes. I
0: was thrilled. Uh huh. There's a statue of an Indian. Lenape. Yep. Mm-hmm. Lenai Lenape Indian. Lenape. I know a couple words of Lanai and Lenape too, but I, I can't say them, not because they're dirty, but, but because <laughs> it's part of the Order of the Arrow in the Boy Scouts of America. But ah, a kind of like issue.
3: the Masonic lodge. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: But the Indian, he's in the middle of the woods. You're just walking he up. You're on the side of, of a forested hillside. You don't even know what's going on. All of a sudden. There he is. What, he's like eight feet tall.
3: I think he's even taller than that. Yeah. He is absolutely magnificent. That's a and good word. Yes. So is the Wissahickon.
0: Uh-huh. Agreed. But you know, we got other things to talk about. I guess now we've gone into the environmental. So we've hit all three <laughs> points of what our shows tend to be about. But no, before we start, let's get some words defined. And I guess the first one is you, you say you're a sex worker. What do you mean by sex worker? Um.
3: A sex worker is a person who consensually accepts uh, transactional negotiation for some, as an exchange for some kind of an intimate or recreational activity.
0: Okay, can you give us some examples?
3: That could be a prostitute, an escort, a massage therapist, a cam girl. It could be a porn star. It could be a rent boy. It uh-huh. could be, back, going back to the old days, that could be a phone sex operator um a dominatrix a professional submissive a professional switch this list can go on and on it could be an au pair who wears a cute outfit but not when they are contracted by a w-2 form Uh
0: uh-huh so this is just like anybody else going to work it's a could be a w-2 person could be the 1099 that paul and i were talking about a little while ago
3: it could be except for the the challenges right now with the fact that um pennsylvania does not acknowledge sex work as a work Um, we are in the middle of uh legislation that has uh sex trafficking defined and it has criminal prostitution defined but for those who um identify as sex workers there is no real supportive definition for for the way that people live their entire lifestyles—not just how they do transactional agreements for for money, but for how they might live their entire lifestyle.
0: Uh huh. Now you gave a, a very broad range of, of occupations in there, and I guess this stretches into some of the more innocent ones. Like I was at a Middle Eastern restaurant, and there was a belly dancer.
3: Belly dancers um, and tantra. Uh, tantra would be an, another one of the. Uh-huh. Uh, kind of a subcategories of sex work in our mm-hmm. contemporary box of definitions, mm-hmm. the treasure chest of definitions. Uh-huh. Um, because even though <laughs> belly dancing might not be considered sex or mm-hmm. work, it is an erotic performance. And depending on how that environment is is organized, that could be a definite an erotic service, which is why also um, I am very fond of the term that Maxine Dugan, I'll step back and say, Carol Lee is the person who uh, came up with the term sex work that was coined in the 1970s. Carol Lee is the Scarlet Harlot of San Francisco, and that term has become really, really popular because... Dancers who are legal workers, you know, cabaret dancers, strip club dancers, go-go dancers, um, burlesque dancers. The Mm -hmm. art of performance through dance, belly dance would go into that if it wasn't at a restaurant necessarily. Um, Maxine Dugan has come up with the erotic Um, service providers union and a little bit different than sex work because not all erotic services are about sex Mm -hmm. though sex work is a really helpful term to be able to pull everyone together we look at that then there's also the problem that sex for for money is illegal (laughs) so erotic service yes
0: uh so uh, you mentioned about a minute ago in there that the The Pennsylvania law does not recognize it. What what do you mean by that? What's what's missing and what would you like to put? Well, first, what's missing?
3: What's missing is that uh, there's no inclusion of uh, sex trade survivors or sex workers in any of the um, legislative efforts that have been happening over the last five years and that are continuing. Right now, Kim Ward, who is a Republican, um, has forth a sex traffickers registry um, that will be in addition to Megan's law list. She doesn't seem to understand that besides the the pervs and the johns that they want to make sure have, you know, like imp have punishment um and a place to be punished for those of us that are survivors of the sex trade especially who went through when we were youth we are actually what is now called venimals where we are both victims and criminals
0: Viminals? that's and, a new word for oh,
3: me. awful new vernacular um there is a problem with those of us who are in that that you know, combined intersectionality of where, you know, we were, we're only now starting to be recognized. And we are at risk of also being on that registry. And we have no agency because of that.
0: Well, wow. that's, that gets pretty heavy there. Yeah. Now, all you are do, but you're not harming anybody. You're a regular, regular person earning a living. So why, why the, the conscription? I, um, I, I it comes back to the to the morals, you know. Well, the, it's ignorance
3: the, too. I don't like. I said I don't think that people realize that there is a category of us that are conflated into that that they don't, are not necessarily realizing are victims to their new legislation.
0: Okay, so let's let's split it into two broad categories. Your are viminals. Your Vino, vic- isn't
3: that awful? Vinnal. When I was at the uh, international. Um, uh, human trafficking social justice conference in Toledo, Ohio, this last mm-hmm. year with SWAT Behind Bars, um, discussions were just starting on viminal, uh-huh. because we are a, a a population of victim that needs That's to right. be recognized because That's- we are being punished.
0: Mm-hmm. That's right. So, well, the distinction I wanted to make there is between the viminals and the and the prostitutes because there are a lot of people out there. I would say the vast majority of the people who would say that they'd be against prostitution but they would be in favor of protecting these Viminals people who've been a victim who so. are being criminalized by oh,
3: I would think so we, we hope so we're having a real hard time with that uh-huh. um, I was in Harrisburg last week with Miss Gabrielle Monroe um, Gabrielle Monroe is a youth survivor and adult worker also and um, we stepped out to try to meet with our senators and it was it was it was hard
0: it, it was, I, I believe it. You yeah. got a big wall facing you. Yeah, we're gonna have to stop for a minute. My guest today is Melanie Dante. She's a spokeslady for the Sex Workers Outreach Prog- Project, and you're listening to the Pennsylvania Project. I'm your caster, Ken Crouchuk, and we'll be right back after this information.
1: Do you need a state inspection, emissions testing, tires, brakes, exhaust, suspension work, or routine factory scheduled maintenance? For all your automotive service needs, visit Wallace Auto Service at 700 East Averford Road in Bryn Mawr, Pennsylvania. Wallace Auto even has a Phillips 66 gas station where you can fill up at great low prices. Check out Wallace Auto online at wallaceautoservice.com or call them at 610-658-9000. For over 16 years, Wallace Auto Service has been proud to serve the Bryn mawr haverford area. Stop in and say hello and fill up your tank at Wallace's Great Low Prices. That's Wallace Auto Service and Phillips 66 Gas Station at 700 East Haverford Road in Bryn Mawr, Pennsylvania. Or give them a call at 610-658-9000. Thinking about getting your first tattoo? Maybe you're ready to add to that sleeve you started or cover up that one regretful choice. Put Sam C. and his team of artists at Iron Will Tattoo Club in Glenside, Pennsylvania at the top of your list. The team at Iron Will has plenty of designs to choose from. They can create an original design or work with the design that you provide. Call 267-893-7625 today to schedule your free consultation. That's 267 8 rock! or visit them on Instagram at Iron Will Tattoo Club. Hi,
0: Ken Krawchuk here, Cast of the Pennsylvania Project. You know, it's easy to find a high-paying job, at least for some people it is. Employers are begging for competent leaders who know how to communicate effectively. But do those words describe you? Competent leader communicates effectively? If not, or even if they do, you may want to consider joining Toastmasters. The mission of Toastmasters is to provide a supportive environment for learning communication and leadership skills. But does it really work? Hey, look at me. I'm a Toastmaster, and now I have my own radio show. So turn your life around. Visit Toastmasters.org and contact the club near you today. Visitors are always welcome, and be sure to mention my name. The future is anxiously awaiting competent leaders who know how to communicate effectively. You can be that leader. Toastmasters.org Hey, Ken Krawchuk here, and we're back with... With the Pennsylvania Project and our guest, Melanie Dante. We covered a lot of ground in the beginning, got some definitions down there and found out. I I learned a couple new words in there, (laughs) viminals, a victim and a criminal. And there's also another one of those occupations in there that I hadn't heard before. I'm not going to remember. It started with a C. Wasn't curmudgeon or something like that.
3: Oh, I I am a professional curmudgeon. I'm a, I'm <laughs> going to be fifty this year, and I have found that yes, I am becoming a professional curmudgeon. Uh-huh. Um,
0: so we're having some trouble there with the, with the state, and speaking personally, I, I think it's going to be a very tall wall to climb. Now the viminal side, I think you can get some traction on pretty pretty quickly, but legalizing prostitution. You know, We're Pen- not. Pens- Pennsylvania is as a generally a conservative state. Once you get outside the cities, you may succeed in Philadelphia. You may succeed in Pittsburgh, but and then grow from there. Uh, I would say that you should probably take a page. We're all about solutions here. You know, I'm not Project. about
3: legalization at all, though. No, no. Oh. We believe in decriminalization.
0: Uh-huh. Uh, and th- uh, you know what? You're taking the words right out of my mouth. I was yeah. going to say you should follow the example of the black community, which slowly got into the mainstream the same thing with the lgbt plus they slowly got into the community one thing it's it's the same way with the marijuana drug it's insane we're on drugs just well as the oldest
3: profession we've been around for a long time that's for sure (laughs) Uh,
0: my brother the salesman says you're the second oldest profession salesmanship was the first oh we are into sales (laughs) trust me yes definitely (laughs) well i want to touch on some other things that you were doing okay Uh, some other things that we talked about in the beginning and that was your organization the Sex Workers Outreach Project and Sex Workers Outreach Project Behind Bars and just to to give for our listeners what you do the Sex Workers Outreach Project advocates for the full decriminalization your word of adult consensual sex work and ending the cash bail I think cash bail you probably get away with that one on its own
3: yeah predictive algorithms are already Mm -hmm. in so unless you're in Norristown that's already basically a done deal
0: yeah and you've got the you're trying to draw attention to the poverty and the sexual violence against marginalized and vulnerable populations like women, people of color, LGBTs, people who use drugs, disabilities, people with HIV. And you have a very libertarian solution. You're using a harm reduction framework to provide support and service with a focus on ending it. But SWOP is only part of the story, the big part. Is S-W-O-P behind bars. Do you call it SWAP or do you spell it out?
3: I'm um, Sex Workers Outreach Project, SWAP, uh, was started by Robin Few. Well,
0: how do you pronounce it, that's my question. Um, usually swap? SWAP. Okay.
3: And that was started by Robin Few. Uh, Robin passed away in 2012, and she was certainly um, a blessing to to so many people who, who knew her. Um, Robin herself had been um, arrested by a federal task force and was used in um, an effort to be able to take what would be defined as low-hanging fruit and use it as a precedent case, and they weren't expecting her to fought back, and Robin, bless her, she stood up and she fought the federal government. Swap USA was actually started by Robin's passion for freedom. Uh
2: Uh-huh.
0: Sounds very, very libertarian. But what really got me, I was looking at the swap behind bars. Swap behind bars, yep. I know. And you've only been around for... Almost less than three years. That's but, because of
3: all the new anti-trafficking legislation. There are a lot of women going to prison right now, and we want our people oh, out safe, and we want them back in our communities.
0: Well done. I was looking at the list of achievements here. Just over excuse me, the last two-plus years, you sent out over 15,000 newsletters to prisoners in 14 states, coordinated over 2,000 pen pals, over 20,000 books through Amazon wish list. 3,000 book donations, 450 GED self-study guides, nine college-level scholarships, re-entry support for over 100 released prisoners, presenting at human rights conferences and rallies, fiscally sponsoring other like-minded organizations, Mm -hmm. and you have a diverse board of directors that include people who've been incarcerated, who are still incarcerated— that must make for some interesting board meetings. <laughs> yeah.
3: So we all work remotely. We very rarely get to see each other. And just to clarify, Swap Behind Bars was started by Jill McCracken, Ph.D., Alex Andrews, who herself was both an escort and was arrested as a, um, a, an escort agency owner, and also Catherine Koster, formerly of Swap USA Communications, and bless all of them for the work that they have done. I am a volunteer chapter member. I am Swap Behind Bars Philadelphia. Uh-huh.
0: Now, the people who are being being locked up. I mean, what's what's a typical story? The typical story is that
3: they are um, they are arresting prostitutes in an effort to find the core. Source of trafficking, especially of children. Mm-hmm. It's an odd conflation, but there is right now, uh, there have been rolling raids the last five years, um, and especially minority women are getting pulled into that, though it's all women. Um, and the diversion programs uh, have been increased along with the prison sentences.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, this ties in with something that I saw in your bio that you had moved out of your house when you were 13.
3: I was kicked out at thirteen. I was returned, and then I was permanently kicked out at sixteen.
0: Uh huh. So when you mention that that they're conflating the sex traffickers, they're doing it for the children, as Hillary would say. Mm -hmm. Now, as somebody who was out on your own at before the legal age of eighteen, how would you separate? Those two.
3: Well, that's where the venom comes back into it. The the venom, the people in between. And um, law enforcement is not quite sure what to do with the population of people currently in that position. And a lot of people believe that by putting them into programs, um, punitive programs, that protects them from the elements um, that are in their environment until those elements can be permanently removed. But with that, there are just a lot of people who are at socioeconomic and cultural disadvantage who are getting Uh pulled into the prison systems.
0: That raises a secondary question, which is going to be the topic of a future Pennsylvania Project cast. And that is, when do you consider somebody not to be a child anymore?
3: Age of consent is a huge conversation. I would love to have that with you. <laughs> that's that's definitely going to be
0: like a, a longer show. I, I know. Well, <laughs> well, let's let's skip. When you were 13 and you were thrown out, were you capable of running your own affairs? i'm glad to see you can laugh about it that that says that you're you're a good person deep down
3: no but at 13 i knew i wasn't at 16 i i thought that i would be basically better off with handling my own affairs and the problem is that at 16 you might know right from wrong and understand there are consequences but you surely cannot understand just what it takes to be able to navigate a sustainable and successful life Mm -hmm. and um when the options are few, and you, you take what you got in desperation, it doesn't usually work out well.
0: Uh huh. You know, that's one of the things that's gonna be part of that show is that we're gonna be discussing when you can declare somebody to be an adult. And generally speaking, when what you just said, when they can. Manage their own affairs successfully—that really defines the maturity, right there.
3: Community, community-involved um, support is part of what I think would allow for that to happen. But mm-hmm. we don't allow our youth at this point to be able to explore that. Uh-huh. Yeah.
0: And then there's there's a quote from Mark Twain that I like. So it goes something like, "When I was 15, I was stunned at how stupid my parents were. Right. But yeah. when I was 21, I was surprised how much they had learned in just a couple of years." <laughs> So, so that's what it is. Are there any stories that you can share with us about your your struggle? Because look at you now you're you're an advocate for the for these downtrodden people. Well, I'm one, one of those on, I, hey, entrepreneurs.
3: I, so I'm one of those downtrodden people. I lost my house to civil after that forfeiture autumn 2015, and I had to start over from scratch with nothing. So I, I, I mean, you know. Hmm. You
0: know, uh, know, (laughs) the the governor has the power to remit forfeited assets and doesn't require any consent of the courts or the legislature you should consider running for governor. <laughs> After you've joined Toastmasters, it gives you the confidence and the ability to...
3: To figure out how to actually step up and speak to the governor. You know, I have a, yes. a petition, a proclamation through moveon.org. Um, we did get over 200 signatures, and um, I believe he never responded to it because that was relating to international data and violence against sex workers. We were trying to get a proclamation just to uh, confirm that we support actions to de-escalate violence and to address stigma. And um, I think it was is considered too controversial a proclamation for Harrisburg to want to address.
0: Of course. And we said that a little bit earlier. It's, it's going to have to be done in small stages to get there.
3: We just want people to know that we don't think that people should be like brutally murdered and then, you know, tossed in the trash. <laughs> of course. Yeah. It makes sense. Yeah. That's
0: why we've got you on the show here. Because Thank this, you. this is something that is not being discussed anywhere in Pennsylvania. It's something that should be discussed. And you can't go to the governor.
3: Yeah, Philadelphia has been good the last few years. I have to say that the Philadelphia, philly.com, the Philadelphia Free Press, um, there is a whole list of people in Philadelphia that if I could like, you know accolades and and like glitter dust um i am so <laughs> grateful for the positive press that um the philadelphia inquirer and philly.com have given us uh-huh. um philadelphia is is so on board and reason magazine even accredited philadelphia news with the most fair and balanced media coverage of wow. prostitute related uh-huh. issues So, See,
0: as i said you're not you're not going to get a lot of traction out in the mountains of pennsylvania are you sure Yes. Yes, I'm pretty sure because hmm. I I just campaigned all over the state yeah, it's for funny, governor I... of Pennsylvania, and while people may react individually mm-hmm. to you and say, "Yes, you're right, we, we've got to help," but uh, I think a full legalization. We don't want legalization. Decriminalization. Yeah, I know. I say the same word when it comes to the to the drug war as well, yeah, yeah. but I think it's it's going to be, let me put it this way: it's going to be a much easier sell in the cities. And Reason magazine recognizing that, I think I think shows that. But one thing I know is not going to work, and that's talking to the governor. Because I sent him a personal letter saying, let's have a debate. I sent it also to his Republican opponent, Mr. Wagner. Neither one ever answered.
3: I tell you, Bob Casey got back to me, and I want to also thank Bob Casey's office and his aide, Rob, because, you know, for all the people that have closed a door, they opened a door. And I'm very grateful for that. Uh
0: Have you tried the Libertarian Party?
3: You know, that's why I'm here today.
0: (laughs) That's right. Melanie was at our <laughs> Montgomery County Libertarians meeting last night. It was last night? Tuesday Tonight, night. Yeah. Yeah. Tuesday. It was the first time I had met her. And I was impressed by the fire in her belly, by the reasonableness of her message. Because they're just entrepreneurs. They're okay. out to make a living. They're giving measure for value. And they're doing it honestly and all they want is an even break. Ken,
3: keep laying that sugar on me. You know I no, like when people talk sweet to me.
0: I'm a, I'm a libertarian. That means I believe you have the right to live your life. Your way without interference provided only you respect the rights and property of others. And from all, all indications, that's what I'm hearing. So you are – On your team. <laughs> and we're on your team. We're out to liberate as many people as we can because we were always against the the desegregation to you know, allow the races to mix. We're certainly been, – we've been supporting – the gay, lesbian community for a long, long time. Yeah, people
3: of color and trans are some of the most affected right now, along with people who are sick with HIV and hepatitis. Mm -hmm. And we would like to be able to see all people represented fairly and treated Mm well.
0: That sounds very libertarian to me. And, you know, I'm sorry we didn't have more time for this, because this was a really good exchange. And it's going to have to wrap up for the them portion my guest today has been oh everybody can come back okay has been melanie dante from sex workers outreach project and you can reach her what's your website um you can go to
3: swapbehindbars.org, swapusa.com, december 17th philly.com and my personal site is a little bit difficult to spell so just say contact the radio show and we'll let you know where to go that's right i'll we- leave you a resource list how's that
0: Okay, Why don't you say it right now? All right. We'll get it out there. Okay. Thank you again. It's been very enlightening. It's been a lot of fun. And we're going to have to pause now for this information. And when we return, I'm going to be ranting about something that really sticks in my craw. Get him. The abortion debate. Hmm.
1: You've been a registered libertarian for years, voted for libertarians even longer, and lived by libertarian principles all your life. Now it's time to take the next step and join the Libertarian Party of Pennsylvania. Keep abreast of the March Toward Liberty in Pennsylvania. Take an active role in making it happen. Maybe even consider running for local political office yourself. It all starts with joining the Libertarian Party of Pennsylvania. It's easy, fast, and only $20 a year. So visit LPPA.org to sign up today. That's LPPA.org. Do it today. A freer future is waiting. Are you arranging your finances in the most tax-efficient way possible? Call Freedom Financial Tax at 866-401-1090 today to find out. At Freedom Financial Tax, we use creative tax solutions like infinite banking to make sure you're keeping as much of your hard-earned money as possible. Let Freedom Financial Tax help you out with a comprehensive tax plan. Call Freedom Financial Tax now at 866-401-1090. Are you a small business owner, always looking for referrals? Do you have a streamlined approach to generating new referrals? Contact Stephen Worley to learn the fast, easy way to generate new referrals. Stephen has an all-inclusive system that will help you generate an extra five to ten customers per week without spending a single dollar on ads. You won't have to create a website, have pictures taken, or write a single ad. Stephen will take the headache out of the process. Contact him at StephenWorley.com, that's Stephen with a V. W E R L E Y dot com. Back to you, Ken. Thank you very
0: much, Paul. Boy, that half hour went quickly earlier. There's still so much more to talk about. But now we've got the segue we're going to talk about. One thing that really sticks in my craw, and that's the abortion debate. Boom gets real quiet when you say that word because it's people who are very, very strongly about it. It's the battle between an unborn life, and the, the right to live your own life. It goes both ways. People feel very strongly about it. I remember last year when I was running for governor of Pennsylvania, on the Facebook page, one person just said, Ken, what's your stand on abortion? And, of course, you've got to have a stand on abortion if you've got to run for public office in Pennsylvania. And it was a simple question. I had an answer. There's answer still. It's out of my governor website, kenk4pa.com. And I'm not going to go over some of that later on, but right away somebody jumped in and said "murderer," and somebody else jumped in and said "nazi," and then it was off to the races. All of a sudden, there's a thousand comments and back and forth, and people are calling each other names, and it just quickly devolved away from civility into into just plain nastiness. People feel extremely, extremely strong about it. But is it? Is it really necessary? Because there are there's so many things that people have in terms of suggestions. Some people say, well, we should just legislate it away. And other people say, no, no, we should legislate it and make sure it's always available. The two extremes, the opposite ends of the bell curve. And then people in the middle saying, no, we need, we need education. Yeah, because education is the answer to pregnancy. Well, I don't know, maybe maybe times have changed beyond me, but I, I was a guy, I'm still a guy, and it's a, it's a difficult thing. And I, I know I have three beautiful daughters, and I watched them growing up too. Education is one thing, but when you're in those teen years and you've got hormones dripping out your ears, it's sometimes the education, you can't hear it because you've got so much of those hormones in your ear. So I don't think education... Is an answer to pregnancy? I think it's a good idea, but it's not, a, not an answer. And then there are the ones handing out condoms, and again, that's that's not a bad idea. But I, I liken that to, you know, practicing safe sex. Well, you want to practice safe armed robbery? Let's hand out ski masks at schools. And some people look at it that way. I mean, there's just so many different angles to all this, and you could always hit them in the wallet. Promiscuity, abortions are not free. Of course if you're a teenager you're going to try and get your parents to pay for it if not you're going to try and get the government to pay for it and of course government paying for abortions that's got to be the worst of it all because there are people who rightfully believe in their minds that abortion is murder and there are the people who believe rightfully that keep your laws off my body so if you have a funding federal funding for abortions people's tax money are being used in their minds to kill other people so it's not none of these are solutions and i've just gone all up and down the the whole list of of things and i actually had one woman come up to me and say ken what if i just want to kill it that kind of took me by surprise i didn't expect that much and then another one said it doesn't matter It could be your father who raped you right out of the color purple or something like that. You should save that baby. Far, far extremes. It's like King Solomon said, let it be divided. And so it is. But if you were King Solomon or Queen Solomon, Salamna, what would you wish for your world? Pro-life? Pro-choice? Personally, I would wish for a world where we can respect the rights of the unborn and respect the rights... Of the parents. And there is a way we can do it. I call it pro option. It just requires one minor change to the law, to the adoption laws, matter of fact, not the abortion laws, and that's to allow for something I call prenatal adoption. Prenatal adoption. That's why I call it pro option, because that's the best option there is. The way it would work if a woman does not want her unborn child. Any individual or organization can step up and offer to adopt it. And this will be done through the privacy of the doctor. And the woman can say yes or no. Now, of course, since the adoptive parents are there, they should be the ones paying for it. It's, it's their choice here. So if the woman says yes, we just say the baby. But we've left, left the choice up to the woman. That's pro-choice. Pro-choice and pro-life at the same time. And since the parents are paying for it, there's no economic incentive for abortion. And a lot of babies are aborted for economic reasons. Can't get mom and dad to pay for it. Can't get the government to pay for it. What are they going to do? Now we've got loving parents who want that baby. So we are guaranteed, guaranteed to reduce the number of abortions with just one small change (coughs) to the adoption laws to allow for prenatal adoption. Now, that's just the surface of it. Right off, the, right off the bat, we're saving babies. Right off the bat, we're preserving the woman's right to choose. But let's, go, let's follow the chain of decisions down the line. Suppose the woman says no. Again, through the privacy of the doctor, they could ask a woman, please bring the baby as far along the term as you can. Right now, we could do deliveries at six months, seven months, right in around there safely. And it's going to cost more, but again, the adoptive parents are paying for it. So we're going to be able to save even more babies that way. Now, people are going to say, oh, come on, Ken. People aren't going to pay. Well, absolutely they are. One of the big heartbreaks in America today is that there are more children up for adoption than there are parents looking for it. Excuse me. There are more parents. I got that backward. There are more parents looking for babies to adopt than there are babies to adopt. So here's a way of matching the supply with that demand. And right now, it's very expensive to adopt. That's why so many people go overseas. It's a lot cheaper. And we need reform to our adoption laws because it is still possible under our laws you could have a baby for five years, raise the kid, the kid knows nobody else except you and your husband or your wife and they could take the baby back. That's heartbreaking. Anyway, that's a separate discussion. But the point is, the babies are there. The love is there. The money is there. We can do this. We can save babies. But let's continue following the chain of thought. Suppose the woman says no. I can't I don't want to bring the baby to term. Maybe there are medical reasons why. Maybe there are professional reasons why. Maybe there are societal reasons. Whatever the reason is, it doesn't matter. The woman says, no, not to term. No, I'm not going to, not going to hold on until a safe delivery can be assured. At that point, I would turn to technology. We routinely perform embryo transplants in the animal kingdom. It wouldn't take a lot of research to start adopting those te- techniques. Ad- pardon the pun. Adapting those techniques. For humans as well. Again, it's going to cost a little more money. But again, it would be picked up by the, by the parents, the adoptive parents. It may take, now the research is going to be a lot. It may take five years. It may take 10 years. It may take 50 years. But I see a day coming when no unborn child need ever die. Because these techniques that were going to be learned can not only be used for unwanted babies, but they could be used to save wanted babies as well. And think of it this way. If no no woman says, ever says, well, if a woman always says no to bringing the baby to term, always says no to bringing the baby as far along as possible, if nobody wants to donate for this research, then we have exactly what we have today, which is abortion on demand. But there are people willing to contribute. There are parents willing to adopt. All we need is one small change to the law to allow for prenatal adoption. So that sounds like it's going to be about it for the show. If you have a question, if you have anything you want to say about abortion, your own opinion, and there there it goes, it's going to jam up the lines again, just like it did during the campaign. But not just abortion, do you have any questions, something you want us to bring up? Remember, part one of the show is all about you. What about the questions you want to hear answered, things that you'd like to see happen? So drop us a line at pennsylvaniaproject.com, pennsylvaniaproject.com and pretty much anything. And as I always say, I will let you know when we are going to be answering your emails. So I hear the music keying in. That about wraps it up for episode three of the Pennsylvania Project. My guest today was Melanie Dante. Melanie's the name of my eldest daughter, I forgot to mention. Today's episode number three was brought to you courtesy of Amendment 16 Limited, recorded live at the studios of WWDB Talk Radio Broadcasting at 860 a.m. in Philadelphia and podcast on our website at PennsylvaniaProject.com. Our technical producer today is Paul Nicotera with help from J.G. Schulteis. Our webmaster is Stephen Worley. Marketing guru is Connor Dragotis. Keyboard wizard here in the background you hear him is Joe the Pag. Our executive producer, cursing because his camera ran out of batteries, Mark Bazzacco. And me, your caster, Ken Krawchuk. Thanks for joining us. And remember, more important than solving the problem correctly is to solve the correct problem.